Hello and welcome to another episode of 1306 Live. I'm your host with the most, Jaden Becker, and alongside me is Andrew Gabriel. How are you doing today? I am fantastic, man. Past few days of wrestling, not too bad, surprising, for the main WWE shows. I've just been enjoying my wrestling lately, and even more talking about Not too bad at all, and we're going to jump right into it. We're going to look at Friday Night Smackdown first, and then we're going to look at Monday Night Raw. Friday Night Smackdown was a pretty good show. We saw a couple things go down. We started off the show with Matt Riddle and his interview, and boy, just he just exudes charisma. He, he has done everything right so far going forward besides the stuff that's been going on outside of the ring. Obviously, he's gotten past that. He's still on television for the WWE, and they haven't come out and said anything after the Speaking Out movement. Uh, sexual assault allegations came out, and they did an investigation. I believe they haven't found anything, so... He's going to be on my television, and at him going forward, he has just done everything right in the ring. Bro! I, look, <laughs> I I love the whole King of Bros gimmick. I, I don't know why they had to start with the whole original bro thing. Like, that was, for me, that was kind of like, alright, you didn't really have to do that. The King of Bros would have worked perfectly fine. Either way, I love Matt Riddle. He's, he's just, he, he, I don't know... I've been trying to draw a comparison to some other TV show or some kind of character. It's it's just that guy you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. Matt Riddle is just that guy you know. I have I, I can't think of any other way to put it. He's just that guy. I and a really, really good match against Morrison. Yes, he he did have a really solid match against John Morrison, but looking at that interview uh, that he had, he really uh came out and he talked a lot about his past and why he doesn't wear the shoes and yeah. uh, I thought that was pretty funny. He's like, oh, I got uh, frostbitten and still <laughs> burns to, to, to this day if I put on shoes. And he said this very specific line. He said at that moment he knew that you can lose everything you've worked for in a moment, in a flash. And I thought that was pretty ironic given uh, the speaking out stuff that he almost did lose everything in a moment. So yeah, him saying that, yeah, he really almost did. But he's going to be on television and I'm glad to see it. Did have a match with John Morrison after King Corbin came out. And they're supposed to have a feud more uh, Corbin and Riddle for some of the reports say that Corbin doesn't want to have this he doesn't like working with Matt Riddle for whatever reason uh, backstage issues he have at it but ends up having a match with John Morrison King Corbin calls Morrison out with the Miz and Riddle goes over and he wins that match and um, it was great it was great the, the two really had good chemistry and Morrison really just uh, helped Riddle be Riddle if that makes sense Yes, it does. It, it's like all like he was able to make his highs even even higher because Morrison has such great athletic ability. Uh, yeah, dude, Johnny Drip Drip. It's so easy to forget how good he is in the ring. It's so easy just because of the whole you know Miz and Morrison gimmick. I guess they they've always been fun ever since. Like they just play. I feel like they're the male version of the Iconics. You know what I mean? In the way that they're obnoxious best friends. Yeah. And, and they're just they just scream and yell and do whatever. And it's I I freaking love the Miz and Morrison, and it helps that Miz is pretty good in ring, but John Morrison, oh my goodness, everywhere he's gone, he's been a star because of his in ring ability. Whereas I don't think Miz would have made it in like a you know Ring of Honor or Lucha Underground, but yeah. John Morrison is much more special of a wrestler than a lot of people realize. He's just so good. He does elevate they everybody. Agree with you more. But yeah, he just made. I wrote about them in the article, like matching Riddle with guys that can help him look even better than he already does. 
really would launch him to the moon, and that's why he's sort of being paired with AJ Styles and Gulak, um, you know, you know, all these people that in the company that are, are obviously great in-ring wrestlers. That's just going to make Riddle look even better. After the match, Riddle head, heads up the ramp and is attacked from behind by AJ Styles. Gulak <gasps> comes and saves him there, and Styles and Gulak have a match in the Intercontinental, Intercontinental Championship next. So. Uh, the storyline still continues with Styles and, and uh, Riddle, yeah. So what I think is going to happen is that Riddle is going to get that Intercontinental Championship belt. Oh. Uh, I think that, that I think I don't I don't think soon. He's definitely going to get the belt for sure. But they're going to put it on him. I think they'll do it probably at SummerSlam. Everything is SummerSlam and with you. I've noticed this. Because they want they <laughs> they have to build it up to something big, you know, like. Extreme Rules, yeah, it's good, but right now that's just developing storylines for SummerSlam, right? Like, of course, yeah. um, But I think also these feuds, right, the, the feuds for Extreme Rules are Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt and Rey Mysterio and uh, Seth Rollins. So those two feuds are the, main, uh, the reason why it's called the horror show, like for those two matches. Every other match on the card, including the WWE Championship match, is almost filler compared to those two matches. That's the reason why that paper is important. So I don't see anything big happening for Riddle or Ziggler or anything like that because this paper is not for them. You understand? Yeah, that makes sense. The whole, yeah. I wish they just called it something stupid. Like, I, I keep calling those guys, <laughs> like, the Spooky Boys. Like, you should you should have called it Extreme Rules, the Spooky Boys show. I, I would have just appreciated that more just as an idiot, but it's fine. <laughs> I like how I've, I've always found it interesting. Yeah. I've been meaning to say this. Why are they? Are they like naming it like uh, UFC pay-per-views in the beginning, where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm trying to think of one. Like UFC one, the beginning, and like that each thing have like a title. So now are they doing like Extreme Rules, the horror show, I, yeah, Backlash, they, they are, the greatest doing match like ever? That. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Money in the Bank, uh, climbing the corporate ladder, or whatever. You know, I think that's what they're trying to do, and. I like it. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I wonder how they'll do it with SummerSlam or with a big four pay-per-view. Like, yeah. Th- that's sort of what they sort they sort of did it with Mania. It's like too big for one night. That was the the tagline, right? So yeah. they, that always went along with it. Huh. So uh, I do. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. It might be annoying to some people, but it definitely sets the tone for the pay-per-view. Like we know, like the greatest wrestling match ever at Backlash, right? So yeah. we knew what that pay-per-view was going to be about. The horror show at Extreme Rules. We know some spooky stuff is going to go down, <laughs> and with two crazy matches. So I sort of I like it. I, I do enjoy it. It gives character to the pay-per-view. And it's not like oh yeah, here, here we are again. It it's it's July and the Extreme Rules time. You know, it adds a little more for me. Yeah, no, when you put it that way, that's definitely true. It does add character to the pay-per-view, and it's really easy to be like, all right, well, game rules, okay, backlash, who cares? <laughs> but yeah, no, well, it's the greatest wrestling match of all time. Oh, my God, yeah. it's the horror show. Oh, you got to climb the corporate ladder. Oh, it's too big for one <laughs> night? Yeah, I guess it yeah. does add... It adds a little more than yes. I think we would have gotten, you know, and, and with the monotony of quarantine and COVID, but to add a little spice is always... This is true. Up next, yeah, up next, Intercontinental Championship match, AJ Styles versus Drew Gulak, and a pretty exciting match, if yeah. I do say so myself. Mm-hmm. Like, when you put two guys like this in the same ring together, the, you know the match is already going to be solid just because of, of who's competing, right? So AJ Styles, personally, I think one of the best in-ring competitors in the company at the moment, right? Like, you can compare it to Shawn Michaels, but like he's just one he of the best really phenomenal. Like, <laughs> phenomenal, no pun intended. Uh, he's really great. And 
And Drew Gulak, he, he's also one of the top technical wrestlers in the company at the moment. So yeah. uh, Styles did retain the championship uh, on SmackDown. And I, I, I still say that Styles is going to hold on to this belt. He's probably going to drop it to Riddle. And I think that's a good thing, you know. And really just it, that's like they already put the stamp of approval on Riddle by having Brian raise his hand and beat Styles in his debut, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So you're already giving that stamp of approval. You just got to put the belt on him. So this is I think that they're just they're trying to push him to the moon. And honestly, I'm all for it. He, he really, if it was someone that they that couldn't do it, like that wasn't technically a sound or yeah. had as much charisma or something like that, I would say no. But Riddle has done everything right so far, and his NXT runs have. Great, so, yeah, he's I think he gave Vince McMahon whatever he was smoking, and Vince was like, yeah, <laughs> this, this guy's it. No, but for real. In terms of uh, Gulak and Styles, that's just two of those guys where you put them in a ring and they couldn't have a bad match if they tried. Yeah. It's it's just like that. And it was a nice touch having Daniel Bryan put Drew Gulak over through Zoom, quote-unquote. I feel like those... <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> that was good. I did enjoy that. Those messages were definitely pre-recorded, but either way, it was a nice touch on the match. It was cool. Yeah, back to it a little bit. They're trying to push it to the moon, as they should. He's, yeah. he's just... Yeah, I don't think that's a bad thing. No. No, he's sick. But, yeah, hell of a match between Styles and Gulak. Uh, I mean, obviously, everyone knew Styles was not dropping the belt, but it was still a fun match. It's just not much else I can really say. Just good. Just really, really good. After this, Alexa Bliss with Nikki Cross takes on Bailey with Sasha Banks. This match comes to be after a tribute was made by <laughs> both Sasha Banks and Bailey for Sasha Banks and Bailey, so they did a tribute to themselves, similar like how they did for The Undertaker, and uh, <laughs> Bailey was on the phone with The Undertaker as a joke and doing the voice, and I, th- I thought that was a funny touch. I thought they did a good job with that. And um, Bliss and Cross come out and and they're getting into an altercation as it usually goes in professional wrestling. And uh, funny enough, instead of Bailey putting Banks up for the match, Banks put Bailey up for the match. So it was a, a, a role reversal there. I thought that was awesome. You're starting to that see that, right? you know. Yeah, and, and I'm telling you, they're, they're not gonna break up anytime soon. I think they're waiting to break up until fans are in the seats. They want that big pop. They want to get Bailey. They want to get Banks over. As, again, as hard as humanly possible, right? So uh, I think as soon as those belts split, so will they. That, that, that's my prediction. They end up having a match, Alexa Bliss versus Bailey, and match ends in disqualification for Cross would interfere in the match and end up just calling it off because she interfered in the match. And Cross being a hothead, uh, as she always has been for, the, for months now, she's just been that crazy hothead. And uh, I, I sort of enjoy her, but at the same time, I don't. Uh, it goes both ways for me. I feel like if there was a, I wrote about this in the article, if there was a mid-card belt for the women's division, she would yeah. own it for her life. Like, she yes. would be the owner of the mid-card women's belt if she could. But there is, there's only the tag team and the SmackDown Women's Championship for her. Uh, I, I doubt. I would bet against that they put the belts on uh, the belt on Cross. I'd really, really no. be shocked if that happens. But um, if there was a big card belt, she'd own Yeah, it would kind of be like Truth in the 24-7 championship. It would just be Cross's <laughs> thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Alexa Bliss, you guys already know what I think about her. I went on a 
whole thing a couple weeks ago about why the hell is she a babyface and why isn't she on a singles run but I guess now isn't a really good time for Bliss to be on a singles run because she's really good at drawing a reaction from the crowd and then without a crowd you know so I just accept that Alexa Bliss yeah, a lot is, of things are on delay a lot of things are on delay yeah so many things are like you said the uh Banks and Bailey split mm-hmm. Drew's not dropping the title they definitely want him to have that in front of fans as, as well he should yeah. he deserves it so yep it's okay I can in this circumstance I can deal with Alexa Bliss not reaching her full potential it's fine but yeah I love <laughs> love me some Nikki Cross absolute nut I wonder when they're gonna break up I wonder how that's gonna go I don't know yeah, that could be uh, a weird thing to see have them split. And I think it would be a good thing for Cross as that would be hopefully her re-coming out, if that makes sense. She already had her coming out, but that would be her coming out as a singles competitor uh, in a way because the only reason I think that she's has been so big is because of Bliss. But yeah. then again, she has also helped herself by cutting some pretty solid promo about herself, making her legitimate. So this match helps legitimize her. Yeah. You know, now she's in, she's literally in, in the SmackDown Women's title. Picture. I was going to so, say. Yeah, like, this helps legitimize her as a person, and she needed that. I feel like the match at Extreme Rules against Bailey, that's going to be, like, the match mm-hmm. that, okay, Nikki Cross is seriously just no joke. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, I hope so. I yeah. honestly think, I mean, of course Bailey's going to win, right? But I think... Cross is mm-hmm. going to have a Penelope Ford against Sheeta like showing. That's what Your I think. favorite match of the <laughs> <It's> so surprising <laughs> to me to this day. Up next, <laughs> Kofi Kingston with Big E versus Shinsuke Nakamura with Cesaro. Nakamura comes out on top on this one and they earn themselves a tag team title match for the next SmackDown. And he, I, I don't think they win this. I, I think they're going to have a match at Extreme Rules. And the Extreme Rules is going to be a packed card. From what I'm hearing, it's going to be a, a, a decent-sized card, Extreme Rules. So I think they're going to have a match. It's going to be Dr. Moore and Tazar versus The New Day. And, you know, it might be weird to say it, but there's a good chance that they put the belts on Nakamura and Cesaro and take a page out of AEW's book and like, hey, let's put the belts on two singles guys and see what happens, you know? Yep. I think with any belt that you can do it with, it's the SmackDown Tag Team belts because that division is just so strong that it, it will also help bolster up the division itself once again because the division's already so great. Put it on Cesaro and Nakamura, they deserve some title recognition. And uh, I think it will be some type of stipulation match. They've, they've been pulling out the tables, they've been pulling out the, the stacks, the chairs, whatever. So if they have a, a match of extreme rules and like a tables match, might be something like that. So they're, they're definitely building up to something special. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if Nakamura and Cesaro get the belts, that would be really nice to see. Yeah, it is extreme rules after all. And I haven't heard many rumblings of a stipulation kind of match that isn't like to do with a swamp. So. <laughs> The SmackDown Tag Team titles is kind of those belts that you can do pretty much anything with, and since the division is so good, it'll work. I don't love the fact that Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, like, seriously think about that. Like, think of the caliber, those two guys. (laughs) They're they're a makeshift tag team, which is fine. Honestly, God, Cesaro is due a title run, but he is due a title run in front of people. So if he wins the SmackDown Tag Team Championships in front of nobody, that's okay with me. This is the first time in years I have not wanted Cesaro to win a, a world championship because he deserves, similarly to McIntyre, he deserves a title reign in front of people. A truly dominant title reign because he's just yeah. that good. And, I mean, no, Shinsuke Nakamura has never been WWE Champion, has he? He was in the main event of, of not main event, mm-hmm. he said it's the Royal Rumble, but he was yeah. he was at WrestleMania 
against AJ, but he did not win that match. That's when he turned heel because he hit AJ in the nuts. But, yeah, <laughs> I could honestly deal with Cesaro and Nakamura having the titles. Yeah, I think that would be really a, a nice touch. I mean, there's no touching the New Day. It's not like them losing the belts is going to hurt them in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Like, they're just the New Day. They're, they're one of the best factions, if you want to call them that, that would be not for so long, but one of the best groups in professional, modern professional wrestling history. The last decade, the fact that they've yeah. lasted this long. Yeah, the fact that they've lasted this long and haven't broken up or haven't even thought about anything like that is just a testament to how well they've really gelled together. They lose the belt, so what? You know, yeah. <laughs> they're the new day. So either way, mm-hmm. I think they'll be fine. When did they get together? Was it 2014? I think it might even be before that. Oh, gosh. Might be 2014, 2013. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. 2014 sounds because close to where... Their first, their first WrestleMania was that one in San Francisco with uh, Sting and Triple H. That was 31. That was 31? Okay. Yeah. And this was 36, which... Okay, so 6 minus 1, 5. It's 5 years ago, <laughs> which is 2015. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Quick but match. think about that. They've been around for 5 years, yeah. haven't broken up, haven't done anything like that. They've just been the new day. Everybody wants to be. And I don't think anybody does. Like, people are waiting for that big heel turn. Yes. Just because the people have been waiting for that for so long. He is really but it, it's it's not necessary, you know. This is true. But he also had a really fun NXT title reign. Not many people remember this, but Big E Langston, yeah. former NXT champion, and his whole gimmick was the whole like five, five the five count. Yeah. He had this obsession with the number five. It's uh, like Big E Langston got the number five over. Come on, he's so good. But Ted doing shit count the number ten. <laughs> If the New Day stays the New Day, that's fine, too. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. To end Friday Night SmackDown, Sheamus raised a glass to Jeff Hardy. Nice uh, bar area and a bartender was set up in the middle of the ring. And Sheamus wasn't actually at SmackDown. He was on Titan Jahan with Jeff Hardy in the middle of the ring with the bartender and the bar. And Sheamus raises a glass. The bartender offers, him, offers Jeff Hardy the glass of champagne or wine, whatever it was. Instead of drinking it, he pours the glass over the head of the bartender, smashes a bottle over, also over the head of the bartender, and then hits the bartender with a swanton <laughs> bomb. Poor, tough day at work if you're that bartender. Just honestly, really did nothing wrong. Just gave him a glass, and that's it. So poor guy, but all he did was hold a yeah. glass out and have a smug look on his face. What did he honestly exactly. do? God. Did he deserve that Sontan bomb? No. I, I really do not think so. I think that was a little too much. But either way, yeah, <laughs> uh, I like this segment. I get a sense that people around the WWE universe and fans didn't really like it as much as I did. I thought this was okay. Listen, like, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I think this is a great build to Extreme Rules. They're going to have another great match. Think about it. This might be Hardy's one of his final Extreme Rules. And if he has a great match, and the match that's pretty, you know, insane, you know, I think we should all be happy for him. He's had a great run with WWE. I don't know how much longer he's going to be with the WWE. He came came back saying that, oh, this is going to be his final run. So if it is... And it's not just the gimmick, and it's not just the storyline, then, you know, everything he does, I'm excited for because we all grew up with it. And it's Extreme Rules, too, man. And Jeff yeah, Hardy kind exactly. of synonymous with the term Extreme. If this match with Sheamus doesn't have some kind of Extreme stipulation, I will be incredibly disappointed. <laughs> you're telling me yeah. that at Extreme Rules, you're going to put Jeff Hardy and Sheamus in a singles match with a 10-count in disqualification? Come on. I, I don't honestly think they'll do that. I think they're going to uh, roll 
roll out a stipulation uh, next week on SmackDown, or, well, this week now, but after that, too, because now, because now Sheamus has made it personal, rrr, bringing up the alcoholism, mm-hmm. so Jeff is going to be wanting revenge, and he's also going to want to hit Sheamus with a chair, and I think he will put himself in a match that yeah. allows hitting Sheamus with a chair. Do, do you think this ends here or no? Extreme Rules? Extreme Rules. Ooh. Ooh. I have no idea, because it could, but it could also not. It just... Honestly, I at one point I thought it was gonna end on SmackDown in the in the Continental Championship tournament because I honestly if it ended there I would have been okay if Hardy went on and did something else because that's all I really needed from it. It developed into so much more and I'm also okay with that, but uh, I fear that it might go a little bit too long. I just want to see where this goes and how, how they'll be able to work it. Like because so far. Uh, it's been okay for me. Yeah. I just want to see how far they can take it, if they, they are willing to take it that far. I love not knowing what's going to happen in wrestling, and I don't know what's going to happen right now, so I'm I'm here for this. They've, they've already reeled me in. I have no clue where this is going, and that makes me interested, so here we go. Moving on, we're going to talk about Monday Night Raw. Monday, this week's Monday Night Raw saw a lot of surprises. Yes. And I think, I think if the word of the day for Monday Night Raw was surprises, we definitely got a ton. Yep. Opening up the show, Dolph Ziggler reminds Drew McIntyre of his past, and Drew McIntyre welcomes everyone to Monday Night Raw. Ziggler comes out and keeps his stipulation secret, so we uh. won't know probably until the week before or the day of Extreme Rules what the stipulation will be, which I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's actually a fun way to do it. Uh, it's not. It, it keeps it keeps him on his toes and keeps us on our even more on our toes on what's gonna happen. Even though McIntyre is definitely going to win this match, I, I like the aspect of, as you said, not knowing what's going to happen. So the, the match could be amazing. You know, I, I, I'm telling you, it needs to be a match <laughs> that helps McIntyre, not Ziggler. Because right now, the most important thing is McIntyre. you got to make sure he gets over as hard as possible. Uh, I said before, a submission match... I think that would really work. If, if it's not a submission match, it, it could be. This, this needs to be something that's going to help McIntyre look good, and yes. a submission match would do that because he doesn't have a submission. So you give him a submission that he can use that for the rest of his career, and it all stems from that one match at Extreme Rules, the Horror Show. You know? Yeah, definitely. So th- this match could be so much more important than it than it would have without it. Yeah, been. what I like about this is like I think WWE knows that. The, you know what when people think of who's gonna win between McIntyre and Ziggler one of the easiest picks they have all year only thing that was kind of equally as easy was McIntyre's last match against Lashley so I think having Ziggler keep the stipulation a secret adds an aspect of unpredictability to it that the match otherwise just doesn't have so I like that that's if that's what they did, then good thinking by WWE. Yeah. That's good. Well done. Well done. Want to talk about surprises? Yeah. Ziggler tries to remind McIntyre of his past, and he says, "Oh, look at your resume from 2014-17. What are you, what are you doing? Wasn't in a WWE yeah, like, Fine. <laughs> the greatest in the promotion in the history of any promotion. Adam Blanc here. WCW. Wow. Thinking about that makes me like. <laughs> Adam Pacitti and Martin Kirby, one of the greatest rivalries in the history of professional wrestling? The freaking Zoidberg elbow? Oh my god. Sorry, continue. Insane. Ziggler brings out the recently released, recently being April, Heath Slater. And want to talk about Sean. I was just floored that he came out. Originally, I thought they were going to bring out Mahal. 
Jinder Mahal. Yeah. And because, like, we've seen him, obviously, more recently, and he wasn't released, like, he was <laughs> with the company. So, when they brought out Slater, I was, I was for jaw dropped in shock. Like, oh, my God. And he's wearing the free agent shirt. And, like, wow. Like, I don't think that he's under contract again. Um, I've heard he's not. But the fact that he is... On my screen right was now. Was there. On the screen was shocking. Yes. Uh, utterly shocking. And uh, I, I enjoyed that a lot. Um, they talked about how McIntyre didn't call back in April when Slater got released, even though Slater would call McIntyre back in 2014 when he got released. And uh, McIntyre, uh, to Slater, wanted a match. He wanted a match against McIntyre. And McIntyre didn't want to do it. Ends up getting slapped across the face. McIntyre uh, reluctantly obliges. Awesome. I thought that was maybe the best way to start Monday Night Raw possible. Like maybe the second best opening of Monday Night Raw all year behind the Becky Lynch pregnancy announcement. Right? Yeah. Uh, that, I thought that was just insane. Yeah, no. Again, I like I said multiple times in the past even five minutes, I love unpredictability in wrestling. And <laughs> if you had gone up to me and said, hey, Andrew, do you think Heath Slater's going to be on Raw tonight? I would have been like, are you stupid? Stop talking to me. But then look at that. Heath Slater is on my screen in the 8 o'clock hour on the USA Network. And I <laughs> I, I was kind of just sat there like, um, all right, where, what, who, huh? You cut a... He cut a very heartfelt promo about, you know, the whole I got kids. You got thing. kids. Not, not a gimmick. It's, hey, real, it's not a gimmick. It's real. I got two. It's not the 22 that the WWE Universe think I have. I love Heath Slater's accent. But either way, makes you kind of feel for Mr. Keith Miller. Poor guy. And also, he comes back Jack. This guy's ripped <laughs> to the sh- ripped sh- I don't remember him being this big. This guy's huge. He's actually kind. This guy comes back he's freaking with muscles like what the heck he got mad that Cody won't hire him in AEW so he just took it out on some weights <laughs> which is true that was kind of crazy that Cody didn't hire well actually it's not crazy because it's AEW and I guess Cody was like nah he doesn't get enough at wrestling because there was a whole thing there was a whole like Twitter beat yeah. I was like oh that's a bad business decision Cody and Cody's like no it's, it's all elite wrestling not like all friends wrestling and I was like huh mm-hmm. interesting yeah it's tough to think about especially when you respect someone as much as Slater they did have a match directly after the promo uh, well, match yeah, Drew McIntyre yeah they had a match <laughs> it's tough to call it a match but it was Drew McIntyre versus Heath Slater and the fact that I wrote that Still bothers my mind. Slater, Slater come out to a hot start. Like, he pounces on McIntyre, rips his shirt off, all hype, turns around, Clay Hunter. <laughs> so, quick finish, faster than he started. Obviously, McIntyre did this very reluctantly, ends up trying to walk to the back, but Ziggler starts to attack Slater because uh, Ziggler's just angry and mad that he lost the match. But McIntyre comes back, helps his friend, beats up Ziggler for a little bit, but Ziggler strays away. And then the two hug in the ring and then do the, the three handshake and touch the three together for the three and B days. And let me tell you, man, I thought someone was cutting onions. <laughs> I don't know what was going on. Something was in my eye. Cause I, felt, I felt emotional because, you know, pro wrestling scripted, right? But that's something you can't script. That is a, a real-life friendship and real-life history. The fact that they brought them together and Slater did come back for that moment, uh, I thought that was just... 
spectacular. It's very rare to, for true emotion to come out of me when I'm watching professional wrestling, but when something like that happens and you know what really happened, you know, Slater yeah. loses his job because of COVID, and that's, not, that's no fault of his own. He let COVID cause him to lose his job. And the fact that he did come back and he did have that moment with McIntyre, maybe it was that if that is his one last final moment with WWE, if that's it, that was very emotional for me. But yeah, I thought that, that, that you really could not start started the show. Yeah, I think Heath Slater is gonna. He has to go to Impact. Impact seems like his place, mm-hmm. man. I'll be honest, because Heath Slater isn't terrible in ring either. I mean, he can cut decent promos. He's just been booked like absolute dog crap throughout his entire run, except for like 2016 when him and Rhino were my favorite thing in professional wrestling. A fun fact: I actually went to an event in Virginia, George Mason University. It was just a WWE live event, uh, and it was like the SmackDown brand. So I saw Heath Slater and Rhino as the SmackDown tag team champions come out and they they face i don't know who but me and my dad were chanting ecw at rhino and rhino looked at us and pointed at us and started like nodding his head with our chant and i was like holy shit rhino what's good bro that was cool that's a cool little Heath Slater slash, it's more of a Rhino memory, but Heath Slater's relevant. But yeah, love me some Heath Slater, especially in 2016. The three-man band sucked, but that wasn't Slater's fault. I it, <laughs> I just I just wish they booked him better, man. Slater's good, but he has a place in Impact. He has to. He has to. Especially because Impact sucks right we now. Hope, yeah. <laughs> we hope for the best for Heath Slater. Wherever he will land, I'm sure he'll be fine. He definitely deserves it. But after that... Kyrie Sane with Oscar versus Sasha Banks and Bailey. Yes, Kyrie Sane making her return yes! to WWE television yes! after the reports come out saying that it was not Nia Jax's fault, but it was tossed into the steps and she hit her head on the steel steps, like in between the top step and the bottom step, cutting her open. But when we saw it, it really looked like it was Nia Jax. Walking botch. But, the, yeah, like, it's really bad at this point. But I'm glad that she's back and Jax hasn't... I, she was on TV this week or last week, I don't think so. The fact that Kyrie Sane is back is a good thing. Uh, they end up having a match with Sasha Banks as the competitor because Asuka and Bailey will have a champion versus champion match later on in the night. Kyrie Sane locked in this really unique Boston Crab. Thought that was going to end the match, but uh, Bailey comes in and breaks it up, ends in disqualification, and... Uh, but I thought this was a fine match. Great way to reintroduce Kyrie Sane to all of us again. Yeah. Even though we did, she wasn't gone for that long, we just needed to see her back on television. And the fact that she had a really good match with Sasha Banks just proved, you know, the, the women's division is just so strong. And uh, we're really lucky to, to watch and see what's going on. I think people kind of forget how freaking good Kyrie Sane is. I've said that about a lot of mm-hmm. people recently, but unfortunately it's true. People don't really remember it as much. Uh, for those that watched NXT in, like, 2018... I don't remember if it was 2019, but she had some classic takeover battles with Shayna Baszler. Kyrie Sane is awesome. I'm just I've always been a fan of her and her little little fun pirate gimmick. That's always been fun for me. <laughs> she I remember when she was the champion, she had like her treasure chest and she held like the belt and like her little piratey treasure belt. It was, it was it was fun. It was cool. It was unique, which you don't see much of these days. Kind of hard to do something new. But they did something with Kyrie and NXT, kind of fizzled out on the main roster because, again, the women's division is so stacked. It's so difficult to, you know, make yourself one of the biggest stars in that division because like, it, it's just packed. It's so good. Right now, I would say the WWE women's division is the best women's division in professional wrestling history. I cannot, I yeah. cannot oh, think yeah. of another time that even kind of comes close. So it's difficult to 
stand out in the best women's division in the history of wrestling. But that just because you don't stand out does not mean you're not good. And Kyrie Sane is really good. So this was a good match. I was happy to see her getting some quality in-ring time with someone like Banks. Yeah, Adrian, you're more than right. Like This is the pinnacle of uh, female professional wrestling. And uh, we're, we're really at a moment where we should be happy to watch the... Like, you know, the, when you have moments where you know, Charlotte Flair isn't going to be here for a while, you know? Yeah. So uh, people are like, oh, what's going to happen? And, and Becky Lynch, she's also, she's pregnant. So you take away two of the top stars in the women's division, and it's still... It's still completely fine. That's how you know it's doing so good. Completely, yeah, completely fine. fine. Going to have to move a little quickly here, running out of time. Kevin Owens' show with Seth Rollins. And before the show, Alistair Black is found backstage. He was attacked as soon as... Rollins and Murphy wearing the very Mysterio mask and oh. he had the show and <laughs> I thought that was once again I think I'm I still a little sick of it but today I thought uh, I'm watching this episode of Raw started to feel a little better about it Seth Rollins challenges Rey Mysterio to a match of Extreme Rules and Rey Mysterio returns instead of being on the TV screen back at home he's actually at the Performance Center in Atlanta with his son Dominic and he accepts uh, Mysterio was supposed to have a match with Aleister Black as his tag team partner. Black is unable to compete because he was attacked. Kevin Owens will fill in that role, and they end up having a match where Mysterio and Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins and Murphy throughout the match as we head towards the end. Rollins tries the smart route and gets to, tries to get a disqualification so he gets to pick the match, right? Uh, he tries to do that on and on and on, doesn't work, tries to get Dominic involved, breaks up the eyes of Dominic, you know, just continuing with the eye thing. And Mysterio, once again, is also very tentative about his eye, yet still has the black thing over his mask. As it starts to come to an end, Rollins holds Dominic by the chin and, you know, they're trying to bait into a disqualification. Alistair Black comes out, the whole debacle goes down, Dominic breaks up the eyes of Murphy, and it finishes off, finishes off the match with the 619, Rey Mysterio wins. And now, one of the oddest stipulations ever offered in the WWE history, at least I think so, one of the weird ones, an eye for an eye match. And it's been reported, Dave Meltzer reported this earlier, I think the day before the, or the day of, that there's going to be a match where the loser has their eye, like, the, the, the way to win the match is to gouge the other person's eye out. I mean, talk about the horror show at Extreme Rules. There you go. I'm not sure. This isn't ICW. I'm trying, <laughs> trying to watch. This isn't CZW. This isn't all those crazy this death CZW, matches. I'm trying Jesus to watch. Christ. I'm trying to watch regular professional wrestling. That's something's eye falling <laughs> out. So, Little. listen, I like the idea, and I hope they do it in a fun cinematic way, which they've been doing awesome lately. But I thought that was just a little weird, especially since Mysterio said it and not Rollins. Yeah. Mysterio's the one that wants to do it, not Rollins that wants to do it. So I, that made it even more like scary for me, at least. So. Yeah, if Rollins had said it, it would have been like, oh, yeah, I want their eye. No shit you want eye for an eye. But like <laughs> Mysterio saying it does make it a bit cooler. That, okay. Who? Who can? What? Like, I'm, I, I'm just, I'm still, I was watching it, but I'm still just Paul like... Vince Russo. Uh, yeah, like, Vince Russo. I wanted one day to do a segment about the best Vince Russo made stipulations, because there was like, there was, <laughs> it was like, 
one of them was like a buff Bagwell's mom on a forklift match. It was <laughs> it was like that, but I don't know. I I digress. Like what? What is this? Is I yeah? There you go. Horror show. You have to win by taking the other person's eye <laughs> out of their eye socket. This had better be cinematic. Like this has to be. Yeah. Somebody's gonna have to. I better see that eyeball rolling around on the floor. And you know, news also comes out that Rey Mysterio is currently not, I repeat, not under contract with the WWE. <laughs> he's 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 a technically free agent. He could be signed anywhere at the moment, but the main issue is financial. It's not anything more than that. But Mysterio also wants his son to be taken care of, right? And, you know that that's cool yeah. and all, and you know I respect that. I respect that from Mysterio. He wants his son to be taken care of and. The least the WWE can do is give him a spot in the NXT Performance Center or anything like that. But, you know, Maybe some sort of that's a big thing. Yeah, for his that's, that's eye. A big, like, yeah. <laughs> it's a big shoes to fill for Dominic, you know, and definitely could do it. It's generational talent. Mysterio is, and, you know, if, if Dominic feels that he could do the same, uh, I would love to see it. Actually, those shoes kind of don't seem that big. Get it? Because he's small. Anyway. That wasn't funny. The mask is definitely a big thing to fill. Yes. In a metaphorical sense. Big mask to fill. That sounds cool. It really does, though. I mean, we've seen Dominic kind of do some moves here and there. And, I mean, Mm -hmm. Ray on his Instagram has posted videos of his son training. And it's either a moonsault or a shooting star press that Dominic has in his locker. But it's a move. Really? I've never seen that. Yeah, no, dude. Dominic Mysterio is about it. I'm, like... I always thought Dominic was a little awkward. I felt like actually he wouldn't be able to do stuff like that. So if he can, then then it changed my opinion on him. Yeah, no, he does some sort of flippy gimmick off the top rope. And either way, Dominic Mysterio is not that old, so he has time to grow. Yeah, he's very young. He has that he has that kind of time to grow, just like every other wrestler in the performance center. He has that opportunity to go to this world class facility. Also helps that his dad is one of the greatest mass superstars, if not the greatest mass superstar of all time. He's made the WWE a lot of freaking money. So the least they could do yeah. is say, Yo, Dom, you know, take some bumps real quick. I don't know. I think I think Dominic Mysterio would be fun in the cruiserweight division at the very least. Um, um, only he's really good at wrestling though. But I feel like his I feel like his dad probably helps him in his training. I think he knows a thing or two about the graphs. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope they figure it out with Mysterio. If not, Mysterio can go anywhere. He's just one of those guys, one of those Chris Jericho types yeah. that can just kind of go anywhere and just make it. Just because. Yeah, he could, but what does he want to leave? Again, that's my question. I don't know if he does, but if he does and he decides to go somewhere else, he'll be fine. Of course, the WWE is ideal for him because I think it's kind of late in his career to go to AEW, and I'm not really sure what they would do with him. It just it just seems weird for me. But, I mean, he's also kind of older, too, and he's a luchador, so he tends to fly around and take heavy bumps, and he's small, so people were throwing him, like, eight feet in the ground. So, I, I don't know, whatever he does, he'll, he'll be fine. It's Rey Mysterio, one of the top superstars of the Ruthless Aggression era. I don't know, not much else can be said, he's just that good. We're going to skip the U.S. title belt, and we're going to save that for a deeper conversation a little yes. bit. Uh, MVP and Bobby Lashley took on Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, MVP and Bobby Lashley won that one. Uh, not really much there, just Ricochet and Cedric Alexander getting squashed again, but it is what it is. <laughs> we'll move on from that. The more important thing, I think, to talk about here, Randy Orton and 
Andrade and Angel Garza took on the Big Show and the Viking Raiders. Now, it's very rare to see Orton compete in a match on Monday Night Raw, especially as of late. I did have that small thing with Christian, uh, a small match with Christian, but that was a big moment. But Randy Orton actually competing in a match and not a match that meant that's meant to mean something else, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, Randy Orton, Andrade, Angel Garza. They're all together, and of course, Andrade and Angel Garza having their spats back and forth. Randy Orton's having none of it at all. <laughs> Grabs Angel Garza by the throat, tells him to get his act together, and they, they bleep out a bunch of stuff on uh, USA, and deserve, deservingly so. Like, he's cursing them out. Anybody that can move The camera. Yeah, so Orton did something that Selena Vega couldn't do for the longest, so I thought that was a good touch. And I hope that actually brings them together with Randy Orton, the, the, the one to do it. Orton tries to hit the Big Show with RKO, but Big Show slips out of it, pushes him away. Viking Raiders try for Viking Experience. They're not able to get it either, but Orton comes back again, gets Eric with the RKO and wins the match for his team. And uh, once again, solid match. Big Show and Orton only had that one small interaction with that RKO. Obviously, I think they're going for the extreme rules. I'm telling you, this, this is going to be a big card because we're talking a lot about it. There might be like three matches on the pre-show because this, <laughs> this is a big card. Extreme Rules, uh, the horror the show. Point. Too big for one night. <laughs> extreme Rules, the horror show because the last four hours, people can't, can't go to sleep. <laughs> So, from what I've heard, it's supposed to be a big card, but uh, I really like the the connection with Orton and Andrade and Garza. And from what Orton said, I don't know if this is true or not, if it was just the kayfabe or not, but Garza's third generation, so is Andrade. I believe they are both. Mm-hmm. Angel Garza used to be known as Hector Garza Jr., which yeah. implies a Hector Garza Sr. So, okay, yes, it, it does. <laughs> and, you, and usually when there's a junior in wrestling and it's... Um, Hispanic. Rey Mysterio was Rey Mysterio Jr. Yeah. Chavo Guerrero used to be Chavo Guerrero Jr. And it's, it's, re- it's wrestlers. It's either Junior or like Ijo De. So there was El Fantasma, yeah. but then Ijo Del Fantasma has been about it for like 20 years. So <laughs> they're, they're definitely at least second generation. I don't really know everything about their past, but I believe it. Wrestling in Mexico is one of those things where it genuinely does get passed down through the generation. Like if your dad was a wrestler, you're probably going to be a wrestler as well. Someone I've noticed. There are a lot of juniors. And I guess the thirds, I'm not really sure about the thirds, but there are a lot of juniors when it comes to wrestling in Mexico. Solid match there. Moving on to the next one, Ruby Wright versus Billy Kay with Peyton Royce. Not really much to see here. I think the past two weeks have just been uh, the WWE wanting Billy Kay and Peyton Royce to show off their new finishers, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> Peyton Royce, uh, Billy Kay showed off like a sit-out powerbomb type of dealio, and I don't know if she executed it right or not, but it looked a little awkward. Peyton Royce is definitely blows Billy Kay out of the water. Yeah. Peyton Royce's finisher might be my new favorite in the company right now. Billy Kay's is just a, another finisher. But um, either way, the Iconics continuing to do their thing. Got to move on quickly. Champion versus champion. No title on the line, however, but two champions going against each other. Asuka and Bailey, Sasha Banks and Kyrie in their corners, obviously. And funny enough, Nikki Cross from SmackDown on commentary on Raw. So, uh, obviously, <laughs> Nikki Cross, hothead, a little crazy on commentary. She ended up getting booted off of commentary and security took her away. Uh, and for some people, that was a blessing in disguise because <laughs> it could get a little crazy with her on commentary, that is for sure. She actually ended up coming back. I love Oscar. Oh, screw you, Bailey. Bailey. Scottish. She ends up coming back at the end of the match in the crowd, banging on the glass, distracting Bailey, and Oscar ends up rolling up Bailey to win the match. 
in total. So Nikki Cross once again interfering, and it was funny that they, they promoted a SmackDown feud on Raw, and <laughs> I thought that was just a little odd, but either way, uh, that was a show, and, and uh, it's going to be Banks versus Asuka at Extreme Rules. I mean, they've been doing that a lot with those kind of feuds. Like, they, they promoted the Raw Championship on the Great American Bash last Wednesday when Oscar got involved in the match between... Yeah. So, because they're also the tag team champions, Banks and Bailey, so they just Yeah, but kinda... the, the thing is, is that, yeah, they can sort of go anywhere because they're the tag team champions cross camp, but she did. So that's why I thought it was really good. Yeah, that's true. I did find that interesting. Yeah. She, she was fun on commentary for, like, a little bit less time than she was out there for. At, at one point it was like, oh, the security's here? That's that's okay, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, not too bad of a match. It's, again, it's uh, Asuka and Bailey. They can't really put on a bad match. It's that simple. A lot of shenanigans involved, too, in the finish. Yeah. So many shenanigans. Shenanigans have been, yeah, it's been very prevalent in the WWE right now, but moving on to something that we didn't talk about in this episode of Raw that is very important. After 17 years... The U.S. title has a new look. The, there has been one change to the previous belt, but that was only to switch from the Scratch logo to the new one. But that's it. It's, it's had the same design but different logo. Now it's a completely different belt. What do you think? Uh, let me ask you. What do you think? It's, it, it does leave quite a bit to be desired. The United States <laughs> Championship, my favorite belt in the WWE. Maybe in all of wrestling. I just love it. Okay. I loved it. I loved that belt. Not, it's not everybody's favorite, but oh man, it was mine. I, it was so cool. So, so cool. I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, I wasn't around when John Cena did the whole Spinner US title thing, but <laughs> if I was, I would have booed when he did it, and then I would have cheered when Orlando Jordan brought back the regular belt. Yeah. I, oh. It's not the worst. Couple, yeah. It's really not the worst, but man, it wasn't broke. I don't know why they had to fix it. I get that you have to <laughs> update things, but like if you're going to be working on belts, work on the freaking Universal Championship. I think it's broke. But <laughs> I... <laughs> bad. Don't like anything. So, I have a couple things to say about it. One, I like how MVP unveiled it. If anyone's going to unveil it, it's going to be him. If anyone's in the company that really has an attachment with the United States Championship, it's him. MVP, he's almost synonymous with it for what he's done for that belt in his 10 years back when he was originally first starting with the WWE, right? Yeah. So I thought that was a good touch. On television, I did not how I did not look like how it looked. The belt. I thought it, it just didn't look right to me. It looked odd. I, you know, couldn't really read the words, maybe because it was dark or whatever. But I liked it a lot better when I just saw a picture of it on WWEshop.com, like just the the replica belt. I, I I think it looked a lot better not on TV, but which is not good because it's a, you know these belts are made for TV. Yeah. That's why the spinner belt was so good and lasted so long is because it looked really good on TV, that spinner belt, okay. you know? So this belt doesn't look that good on TV, and I think that's why I don't like it as much. I do think it's a, a little bit of an ugly belt. Like you, if you first look at it, you, first, you look at the other United States Championship belt, and you know exactly what it is. Mm. Oh, that is the United because mm. it, there's a big flag on it. You have to do a little bit of guesswork in the beginning if you first look at it, if you don't know exactly what it is especially because the, the words United States are small, the word champion is big, the eagle is a little odd, yeah. the, the stars are on the top, and, and they did have the side panels for the, the nameplates, but like the person that won, that won the belt. 
So I don't think we, we're definitely going to see the old United States Championship belt again when Apollo Crews and MVP have their match because technically MVP is holding the belt. So I think that's also another funny touch is that the Apollo isn't holding the belt. It is MVP undeservingly holding the belt. So yes. I, I think that's another fun touch. But either way, I do think it's an ugly belt. <laughs> uh, but I do, I do, I do like how it looks not on TV. But the whole point yeah. is for it to be seen on TV. You know what the problem so, is? I can tell you what the problem is. It's like, so the word champion, right, is outlined. Mm-hmm. And then other than that, it's just a series of light colors. That's the problem. Yeah. And so when you have, because obviously it's the WWE set, there's a bunch of lights shining down. It's just this gold shiny thing with the word champion up toward the top. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what is this? I It was, only, like you said, it was only when I got to look at it on the internet and look at a picture of it that I was like, oh, yeah. that's what it looks like. I thought it was just this gold-plated strap with the word champion on it i i didn't know what was going on and it, it has to not look like that on tv it's just a series of light colors it doesn't work people's eyes don't work that way but not to get all sciencey about it <laughs> to get all graphic design on you i've been talking to Angela. Maybe, maybe Angela help it out maybe they should have called Angela. they should have either way Angela about it. yeah <laughs> either way we're gonna move on to a fun segment we talked about an ugly belt in the in the new United States Championship. We could be wrong. You guys think if you're listening, you guys think it could be a beautiful belt. It could be lost looking your favorite belt ever. For us, we just don't think that way. But speaking of ugly belts, we're gonna get into a segment. Andrew, what is the ugliest <laughs> wrestling belt of all time? All time, ugliest belt. Okay, ever. let me let me paint a picture in your mind. Right, it is. Well, I don't remember what year it is, but it's either 2010, 2011, or 2012. Jeff Hardy has just won the TNA World Heavyweight Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. Jeff Hardy's just won the TNA World Championship. And this big faction immortal on the next episode of Impact Wrestling on Spike, because that's when it was good, on Spike. They're all in the ring, and they're all, you know, patting themselves on the back. And then Hulkamania comes out, and he's like, we gotta have a belt that really, you know, shows that, I don't, I don't know. But it was basically like, we gotta help, we gotta have a belt that really represents the champion. And the set goes dark, and this belt starts to raise down, and there's pyro coming up from that kind of set. And you look at it, and it's this purple strap, and then some design with kind of Jeff Hardy's face on it, and it looked like Great Fanta as a wrestling belt. <laughs> That's how it looked to me. I was I was looking back at it this morning. I, I wanted to make sure, because I decided this last night, but I just wanted to make sure it wasn't a bad decision, and I was like, no, this wasn't a bad decision. It is horrendous. Well, I mean, what we're going to do is we're going to obviously put up a poll, and you will see both of our options, and... I, you'll know what I, I can't describe this belt because it's so unique, which implies it's one of a kind, which is good, because if there was another, that would suck. So, yeah, Jeff Hardy, and it was called the TNA Immortal title. They just changed it until, I assume, someone else won. The sharp edges on it just make me cringe. Right, like, yeah. Like, I feel like you'll stab your, your belly button, or yeah, exactly. your nuts. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you bend over to so... Like, the sharp edges is, yeah, it's just not a good belt. I remember, like, that that's like an infamously, like, bad belt. And usually in, the, in TNA, and usually when you have a belt that is customized to a person, usually they aren't really that good. Like, the Rama Bull one wasn't that good. The Stone Pussy Lost one wasn't that good. 
you know, all these belts that were made specifically for persons are always a little odd, and, you know, they, they don't look right, and they, they're just like an ugly belt. Even Cena's spinner so, yeah, title, even Cena's yeah. spinner title, every, I mean, there were some people, it became a staple of the WWE for years, but there were still some people that are like, why the hell does it spin? But yeah. this, this, this Jeff yeah. Hardy, of all people, <laughs> belt, because Jeff Hardy is colorful and weird as it is. And then you make a belt that's colorful and weird, it doesn't work. That's my nominee. The TNA Immortal title that Jeff Hardy held for, I don't remember how long, but it was ugly and bad. I think Ken Anderson took it off of him. But either way, some trash. What's your nominee? The ugliest belt in the history of professional wrestling. Look no further. Like, yes, the, your, your belt was definitely ugly. But at least your belt wasn't, like, mean. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mean. The WWE Divas title oh. is easily, easily the ugliest belt ever. I mean, like, just if you just look at the belt, it just screams, I'm a toy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a pink butterfly. Men, and, and I think that's also one of the main reasons why the women's division is so great now. Because just look at where it was. Yes. They, for, they were fighting for a toy belt with a pink butterfly on it. With the word divas, not women. <laughs> Let's put something to make them feel not good, and they make them feel not as legitimate it's as damn they It's derogatory. Cool. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the word I'm looking for. It's a derogatory statement. It's like, oh, it's the divas belt. Oh, you have to be a, a, a hot diva to hold this belt. Like, no, I, like, the women's championship is called the women's champion, not because they're pretty or cute or whatever. It's because they can wrestle, right? The divas championship is completely opposite, and I think that is just the ugliest belt ever. Is it is a toy. It looks like it's for children, and the fact that they even consider that being a belt at, at any point. I remember when it was debuted, it was on SmackDown, and they were all huddled around it, and Vicky Guerrero's standing there, and they're and they're all excited. But, it, you know, as a kid, you don't realize it, but now, as an adult, you realize, damn, like, that's really, it was, now it's a disgusting belt, and it's just a derogatory term, and it's just not You know, obviously, I think your belt is also very ugly, too, but... At least it wasn't mean. Like, it wasn't a mean belt. It was actually meant to honor Hardy. This was, like, a, a mean-worded belt that was ugly and looked like it was made So, Divas title, ugliest belt. It, it really represented one of the worst times in female wrestling history. Yeah. It really just yeah. does. And look, and look where it's come. And I think that that's really a testament to how great this women's division is in the WWE and around professional wrestling. Look where it's come. Went from the stupid butterfly belt to... Literally the best the company and professional wrestling has ever been. All right. Well, vote on at thirteen oh six mania on Instagram, and it'll be up on Twitter at thirteen oh six sports as well. You can vote in both places if you want to. You can really mm-hmm. have your say with that, and we'll reveal the results <laughs> uh, on the next episode. Yes. I guess. So we'll do that on the next episode, but moving on, sticking with the United States Championship, we have some trivia. Oh, here we go. Oh, yeah. We have some more trivia. If you were paying attention to 1306 Mania, then you definitely saw some trivia on July 4th. We celebrated that with some trivia on our Instagram story. If you'd like to do that, it's in our highlights, and you could play with some other questions there. We have some new questions, and I made them very difficult for Brandon. I just made them, uh, not very difficult, but I, I gave him some tougher questions than the Instagram poll. And he did get a couple wrong. I got three out of five. I got three out of five on Instagram, so go, go try to beat me. Tell me if you beat me. Call me some trash. <laughs> Bully me online. Do it. That is very true. So now we're doing the United 
States Championship trivia and the United States Championship, it dates all the way back to the NWA days and WCW and finally made its way to the WWE in the early 2000s. Harley Race was the first ever all-time champion, then it made its way to the WWE in 2003. Who is the first U.S. champion under the WWE banner? Oh, gosh. So, I have a couple names in mind that it might be. It was debuted... It came from WCW to WWE. Yeah. That, that's where the, the belt was after the whole... After WCW, Invasion. WCW. Yeah. And it was 2003, you said? 2003. I, yeah, because I remember uh, Stephanie debuted it on SmackDown when she was the general manager. Mm-hmm. And it was like a... It was either a 10-minute or like a four-person match. But it was it was one of those like workhorse titles, and, and those were the really those were some of the better days of wrestling in the WWE. So it was a mm-hmm. like the SmackDown Six. I think it was one of them. I want to say was it Chris Benoit? Incorrect, but very close. Eddie Guerrero. Eddie, that was one of them. It was between Chris, Eddie, yeah, and Eddie uh, I knew it wasn't, but I was thinking maybe Rhino. It was Chris or Eddie. Though. Damn, you it. had the right. You definitely had the right idea. Smackdown, Def- you were, I said you were right on track. Pick, yeah. I said it's Smackdown. Yes, pick. you're Eddie definitely right on track. Just you did right there. I'll take that though. That's not that's that's, been also good. that's not the worst answer I could have given. Okay, I have a couple hard ones. I don't know which ones to throw at you first in that order. I'm, I'm just gonna throw I'm gonna throw them at you. Stunning Steve Austin holds the shortest reign oh, in U.S. Championship history. So, shortest single reign. He's held it for longer. He's held it for short. He's held it a couple times, but this is he held it for the shortest amount of possible time. At once, so he won it and lost it very short. How long did he hold the belt? Mm. Oh dear. At this time, he was stunning Steve Austin. Yeah. Not stunning. Yeah, so he would have been in Dub C Dub, which doesn't actually yes, impact the answer at all. But. But you know, you know the time period. Yeah. Um, I genuinely have no idea. Was it? You know what? I give you hints all the time. Was it greater or less than two days? Less. Okay. This seems like one of those things. Because WCW like to throw you the loops. Was it two hours? Incorrect. Uh, I did it for five minutes. Oh, whoa! champion for five minutes. Five full minutes. Jesus. It was like the fall brawl, I think, in 94. If that, if that's where I He got it and lost it. That fast. Wow. Okay, I was like, oh, two hours is... oldest? Yeah, two hours is... Uh, <laughs> in the history of the United States Championship, who is the oldest to ever hold... I mean, at the time, this was their age. How, like, who was the oldest person to ever hold it up? Okay. Can I ask what company it was in? I want to say it was WCW, but I'm going to check for you because I just had that same question myself. Okay. Oh, it was in... In WCW, yes. Okay. It was in WCW. Alright. Because I was going to say, if it was older, because Bret Hart won the title in 2010 against the Miz, and he was old as dirt at that point. Mm-hmm. So it would have been someone older than Bret Hart was in 2010. So, wow. Okay. Alright, so who was mad old in WCW? That's where we start. Alright, we got Flair. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would. That wasn't really even toward the twilight of his career. But he got Hogan. He was old. Savage was older. Uh, oh gosh. I don't. I, it wasn't Harley Race. Harley Race wasn't really about it in WCW. But wow. And I, I keep thinking of guys that are old now, but you know, like it wasn't Goldberg. It wasn't Jericho. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh my goodness. All right. So it's it's between those guys. But like, oh, I can't. There's no way. 
smile. "But who else could it be? If it's not Flair, who could it be? I'm like weighing my options because I haven't gotten a single one right. I need to get this one right. But like oh my god. Was it Ric Flair? My answer is Ric Flair. Incorrect. Answer is Terry Funk. Oh, come on! 50, 57 years old. 57. Oh. <laughs> I completely oh, forgot about Terry Funk. That Terry dude, Funk. He wrestled his last match in like 2017 or something ridiculous yeah, like he, that. He, I think he's still going on. Because oh. it says that he's still... Oh, oh he, he announced his retirement in 2016. Oh. The house of Still. Oh, and then, and then he and then he made another return choice. Of course he did. <laughs> another question: What two superstars have had the top belt in their respective company and the United States Championship? All right, so one of them is Goldberg. He had the WCW title. It's it's. I would I would think about. It. Didn't Goldberg have the WCW Championship and the United States Championship? He did. Okay. I'm gonna let you slide on it. it Technically, it's incorrect. Right. I'm not going to count you for that, but technically, it's incorrect because he relinquished the United States Championship when he won the WWE oh, Championship. Okay. That's what happened. So I'm going to let you slide with that one because there is an asterisk. Okay. But technically, as soon as he won, he, he, he dropped the United All right. States. Alright. Well, so, so there is a there is two there's two guys. Alright. One of them is Seth Rollins in 20. I don't remember what year it was. I think 17. He beat Cena. Yes, you are correct. He beat Cena yes, at SummerSlam to hold the WWE Championship and the US title. The other mm-hmm. one, though, I feel like this is another WCW one. Is it WCW? Mm-hmm. Okay. And let me make sure that right, you can use you can use my thinking as time to. All right. So say it was WCW. Probably wasn't Bret Hart. Might have been though. But I'm not gonna bet on that. Hogan. I don't really even remember having the United States title. Kevin Nash, unlikely but maybe. Thought all unlikely but maybe. Hogan, I think I already said unlikely but maybe. Flair could be. That's more likely. Because Flair. It, it was it was definitely WCW. Okay. Uh, and also, if there was a question about who it might have been, that could also make Flair. Flair, possibly. Randy Savage, probably not. Terry Funk, probably not. But I never know because Terry Funk just does whatever he likes. I'm gonna say play. Is it play? Incorrect. The oh. answer is Booker T. Oh my God! Yes. United States and WCW World Damn it! Damn. Final question. Final question. This is a hard one. Oh good. Because the other ones are easy. They've all been hard. Yeah, they all been hard. And uh, I, I I do this to you because uh, you do it to me. You don't do it to me, but I feel like you do it to me. No, I'm not a casual <laughs> fan. I, I I should be able to. These are good questions. Uh, These are very good questions. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right. Who holds the least amount of days with the U.S. title? Meaning, a cumulative, so maybe they could have held the belt five times, ten times, obviously, most is six, but six times, three times, two times, one time. Who has the least amount of days with the belt? Alright, so who was every United States champion ever? Alright, Apollo Crews. Uh, I'm not going to run through that. It's probably not Apollo Crews by this point, though. Uh, oh, I believe he's at 47 days. Alright, I, I feel like one, one, one person has to have had one crappy U.S. title run. I think Steve Austin had an actual run with the title. Oh, this is probably in like the 80s or something ridiculous like that. Or in the early days of the U.S. championship. Oh, they didn't really hand out the belts for fun like that, though. They used to keep belts on guys for like a minute. 
back in the 80s, I believe. Um, and this seems like something WCW would have done. But it could be anybody. Anybody could have a crappy U.S. title reign that lasts, like, a day. I mean, even, but also, like, The Undertaker had a WWE championship run that lasted six days. So it could be anybody. But that doesn't really count because, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. If it's not already obvious, I, it, I have no idea. But I'm going to guess. It's not obvious. It's not obvious. It's not obvious. Yeah, okay, the least amount of days. I mean, I would like to say Kofi Kingston, but I know that's not true because he had multiple title runs that have lasted at least a month, and I'm guessing that it's less than a month. So, oh, goodness, okay, lower mid part, probably okay. WCW. I'll give you a hint. Okay, it was in WCW. Okay, so lower mid... So I'll let you deduct it. It was in WCW. Lower mid part of WCW. You know what? Shot in the dark. Was it Disco Inferno? <laughs> Incorrect. It was Raven. He held it for a single day. Oh. The United States Championship. And some people really like Raven. I, I just don't know. He won the United States Championship. He beat Diamond Dallas Page, and then he dropped it to Goldberg the next day. Yeah. That's how There you go. Now I'm correct. Okay. Sorry about that. But hey, I, you did, I don't think you got one right, but still, I think we learned a lot. I got half. I got half. I got Seth Rollins. Yes, you, oh, no, no, yes, you, you got you got Half Rollins. a point. Let's go. <laughs> Very good. I think that that deserves a start. Moving on, I think this is our final segment. Yes. And it is the Gimmick Hall of Fame. All right. Do you have the winner of last week's Gimmick Hall of Fame? I, I do not believe I'm saying this. <laughs> but Fake Diesel, welcome to the Gimmick Hall of Fame. Oh, my God. I forgot. Who did I say last week? Um, who what, 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 what was it? Um, no way, Fake Diesel won. Fake Diesel won, dog. I'm not. I'm not kidding. I didn't even vote either. Fake Diesel won over JBL by oh, four okay. votes. Right. Four votes to one. Right. Fake Diesel, welcome. Okay. I, yeah, at least at least it wasn't like I forgot what I said. It, like I said, JBL, but at least it wasn't like Rick Flair. <laughs> so like you know, you know, I'll, I'll JBL can lose a lot. That's okay. And that, that makes uh, Glenn Jacobs a two-time Guinness Hall of Famer. Glenn two rings. All right. Glenn two rings. Well, uh, you go first since you're the winner. Good job. Ladies and gentlemen. I have a weird one this week, too. I have a weird one, so maybe it will be a back-to-back. Nah, if you got a weird one, I'm going to go with this weird one. Here's the thing. We've okay. done the three belts special. Uh, Jaden three belts is his nickname. I say we get Glenn Jacobs to a third Hall of Fame ring. My nominee this week is Dr. Isaac Yankum. I, we need a first ever in the professional wrestling industry, and I think Glenn Jacobs needs to be a three-time gimmick Hall of Famer. Dr. Isaac Yankum, a very bad dentist, good friends with Jerry Lawler because wrestling. Look, go look up Dr. Isaac Yankum. He was jerk, mean, bad heel dentist guy. Spooky. You don't want you don't want him filling your cavities. No, no. So. Glenn Jacobs gets your, get, get your third ring. Get his third ring this week. Dr. Isaac Yankum is my nominee. We've got to complete the trilogy. Come on, guys. Complete the trilogy. He, he really did work that gimmick pretty well. And I, I think if he didn't work that gimmick well, he wouldn't have been king. They wouldn't have given him the opportunity to be king just because he worked Isaac Yankum so well. So that that is actually a, a good... Like, like, you know, we pick, like, joke ones. And not, not joke ones, but you pick, like, gimmicks that are infamous in a day. And that's actually a very infamous gimmick. There's actually a t-shirt out with his... Uh, with like, they're going through like the rookie series t-shirts like there's a me Mark Callis t-shirt out uh, there's a, a, a Matt oh, what, what was Edgy's 
Matt Castle, something like that. Like Edge's uh, oh. original name. Uh, something uh, te- terrorizing. Something Hardcastle. So. Hardcastle. There you go. Something like that. So they, they go on through a series of Isaac Rankin as well. Then. But I have also weirdly, and I just bought. A t- I'm going through a T-shirt phase. And I'm, I'm buying a decent amount of professional wrestling T-shirts. And I bought two T-shirts. I bought a T-shirt with the face of Rick Flair, Macho Man, and Savage on it for their match against WrestleMania 8. I think. I, 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 I think it was this one. And I bought another shirt where it's the it the caricature of Hulk Hogan from WrestleMania 7. It was, yes, it was WrestleMania 7. Where he faced off against my nominee for the Guinness Hall of Fame, Iraqi sympathizer, Sergeant Slaughter. Wow. <laughs> that is my nominee. Iraqi sympathizer, Sergeant Slaughter. You know, that is such a weird gimmick to pick, right? It's, it's You don't even think about it, but he... This was during the peak of the invasion of Kuwait and the Gulf War, and this was really one of the, not the first times, because they did it with Nikolai Volkov, uh, and how the WWE would accept a Russian gimmick like that. So, uh, alright, since it, it got over with Volkov, they said, alright, we're going to do it again, but now we're going to do an Iraqi game. And they put it on Sergeant Slaughter to work that gimmick of someone that was like a, a defector, someone, a traitor, someone that changed sides. And it worked really well for him because he played an awesome heel. And they ended up putting the WWF Championship on him. And Hogan ended up taking off him. I just watched this match literally before we did this podcast. Literally, it's the craziest thing in the world. Like, if they did this match today, the amount of backlash that we would get would be insane. Like, Hulk Hogan ripped up the Iraqi flag. And <laughs> rip, rip, like ripped up the Iraqi flag, kicked it out of the ring. And you know who was sitting in the front row? Yeah, Donald Trump <laughs> sitting in the front row of WrestleMania. So now this is one of the, like like you know it's one of the most iconic Hulk Hogan, not maybe the most one, but up there as the most Americana thing in professional wrestling history. If they did that today, imagine if they did that today. That would not go over very well. But the fact that they did it. So my my nominee for the game of Call of Fame, Iraqi sympathizer Sanders, not regular Sanders, but Iraqi sympathizer. <laughs> He even did the, um, not, not the crab, but the other one. Oh, the camel clutch. Camel clutch, there we go. He even did that move on home. Listen, that, that move is like synonymous with invaders. Like Bruce said it, so. Yes. You don't even think about that, right? Like, like, certain moves are synonymous with certain gimmicks. And that, that gimmick definitely calls for a camel clutch. So that's all I got. And that's all we got here on 1306 Live. If you want to follow us, follow us on 1306 Sports. Follow us at 1306 Mania on Instagram. We've been working pretty hard on that one. We do polls. we got a lot of breaking news about how professional wrestling has been going lately and through COVID and everything like that. So if you want to stay in touch, we try to funnel everything. You should see my Twitter notifications. They're insane. Mm-hmm. We try to funnel everything onto that Instagram. So we highly recommend you giving us a follow there on 1306 Mania. Right, for Andrew Gabriel... I'm Jaden Becker, and this was 1306 Live. We'll see you next time when we talk about week two of NXT, the Great American Bash, and week two of AEW Fighter Fest with Chris Jericho. He interviewed his favorite on Orange Cassidy. Should be a good one, so we'll see you then. See you next time.